Today on the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific, we are going to hear another disruptive voice, a disruptive story from a young woman called Mele, um, her story of abuse. Mele first contacted me a couple of years ago when I was looking for stories for the Disruptive Voices of Fijian Women book, and Mele contacted me and said she wanted to tell her story for the first time after many, many years. She wanted to break the silence, break the shame, and shame dies when we, um, when our stories are told. And so she wrote me her story, um, and then last year I interviewed her via Zoom, and I'm about to play that interview. But I've come to understand more and more um, why abuse just continues, especially across the Pacific. I've been to Fiji three times this year. I love Fiji dearly. Uh, a lot of what I do when I go is to learn. I've been trying to understand why in a nation where over 60% attend church, but yet two and three women are raped. Um, 72% of women in relationships have been abused somewhere. And why does this continue? Nothing has changed in 30 years for all the awareness. Um, and there are some just brilliant groups working so hard And I'm beginning to realise that so much is tied up in the shame and the silence um, because we don't want to speak up because we're afraid of the shame that it will bring to our families, to our relationships, in our churches. We're afraid of what other people will think of us. Um, And so we remain silent. And so I have a greater admiration for those who have chosen to speak up, not only in this platform, uh, through my books, through some of my Facebook posts and obviously there are many other organisations working. So thank you to those voices who have just said we've had enough, we're going to speak up, we're going to break the silence. And what I love particularly about Melly's story and in this interview you will hear her share why she has finally decided to come out and speak. But I love the fact that her family have really gathered around her. It wasn't easy for them to hear Melly speak. Um, especially for her mother. I think you feel helpless and wish that you'd done more to protect her at that time. But uh, they've been there and they've been a support and they've had to talk through these hard issues. They haven't just swept it under the mat and pretended it didn't happen, but they have faced it together as um, siblings and parents. And so thank you to Melly's family for being that support because I know that there's so many others that would love to speak up or have tried to speak up, but their family has silenced them. And this will never help a nation become free as long as we continue to live in silence and shame. Jesus has died for shame. He has died on the cross and um, to keep living in our shame is to deny the power of the cross. Um, And so we've got to break that and tell our stories in safe spaces um, and to continue to find healing and help. And I want to just say right here, there is help. And it's been great to meet again in my travels firsthand people like the House of Sarah in Suva. And you can Google them and they offer counselling, they offer training. They just do a brilliant job. They have males and females working there. There is Caritas through the Catholic Church. Again, you can Google them and find their phone number. They offer support groups who, for women who have been abused. They offer support groups for men who have been perpetrators Of course, we know about the Fiji Women's Crisis Centre. There is Lifeline. They offer help and counselling on their toll-free number 1523 or 43, I think it is. Anyway, just Google them. It's all on Google. 
And so, and also my last trip while I was in Fiji, I trained many pastors on how to recognize abuse, on how to handle it, how not to um, just be religious about it, but how to actually offer good practical help. And so I hope we can help a nation be free from this scourge. So here's Melly's story, and we will catch you again on another episode. I love Fiji. In fact, I had the privilege of living there a number of years ago at the age of 15 and attending school. And in recent years, I've been able to re-engage, particularly with women's issues and the abuse of women and the destruction of pornography too. Last year, I was able to author this book along with 10 other women. It's the stories of women's uh, lives of abuse. And uh, it's great today to be able to join by one of the women in that book, Meli Rataranga Bulla. Great to be with you today, all the way from Fiji. Now, um, mm-hmm. Mele, your your story is Chapter 5, Naomi. Yes. We have changed the names because not everyone wanted their names, but you've been happy um, to just uh, come out and, and share your story freely. What made you put your story in writing for this book? Um. So around that same time that you had opened up and allowing people to um, tell the story, I had just finished um, this uh, God Speaks prophetic seminar. And uh, with the training seminar, um, it uh, taught us to, um, you know, with matters of the heart to, you know, for cleansing. Mm -hmm. So we had to go home and pray about how, um, you know, matters of the heart, uh, things that you've uh, hidden or buried inside you that you've been watering all these years and, um, you know, just to deal with them. So in that same week, uh, well, same month, I had been doing that, praying about it. And then I actually forgot about this incident that happened uh, 25 years ago. I had buried it so deep that I forgot it happened. And uh, yeah, so by the time you had uh, opened up, um, like allowing people to speak up or write their stories, I messaged you and I, um, I was really interested to write it down. So that was my first time to ever bring it up or write it, uh, write it down. Yeah. Yes. No, very brave. 25 years later. Um, so in the book you talk about at the age of nine, and we're not going to go into it too much because we want people to read the book, um, but at the age of nine you went um, to your next-door neighbours like a lot of girls do and you had a sleepover yes. with a friend there where um, during the night the friend's father um, sexually molested you. Um, so how did that impact you um, growing up all those years? Even though you, you stuffed it down, did it still have a negative impact on your life? Yes. Um, well, like thinking back now, because of that incident, it, um, you know, it made me, uh, you know, become a troubled, rebellious teenager, kid. Like um, after that incident, you know, I felt... Um, unworthy or dirty or, you know, like um, a lot of self-condemnation. And um, growing up, I just, you know, I I had this hatred inside me. I was always angry. I, um, yeah, I was overprotective over friends and, um, 
you know, like not normally, but then overly. So uh, it was uh, a lot of emotions dealing with it that I, I mean, I realize now that I hadn't then, but ever since, I mean, being a child and then something like that happens, you know, it just changes everything really. It sure does, especially the age of nine. You don't fully understand what's going on and uh, why suddenly your boundaries have been violated. Um, and it's it's hard to process all of that. And then on top of that, also the the perpetrator um, cornered you and, and threatened you like so many do, that if you said anything, he would hunt you down and kill you. I mean, that's a huge weight for a nine-year-old girl to carry. That is so true. Yeah, I still remember that. Like it was yesterday, like, um, you know, every child, like if you get threatened like that, I mean, I was in total shock. I didn't know, you know, how to react or, I mean, like his daughter, we, we were the same age. So I just, I had a lot of questions. Like I was just so confused. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and a lot of fear. I mean, you talk about then having nightmares because you're just living in fear. <laughs> Yes, because I wanted to tell my parents so bad, but I was so scared. Like, you know, maybe he's outside standing there waiting for me to tell them or something and then just come kill us all or something. Yeah. yeah. It was just living in fear until I, yeah, decided to just tell mom. Yeah, yes, you eventually did. But, I mean, you were still obviously living next door to this man. You were seeing him quite often, were you? Um, you'd pass him down the street uh, yes, around the corner from where we lived in the neighborhood. Um, I see him and his family. And uh, I guess my friend wondered what, why I stopped hanging out with her because, I mean, they had a lot of children and um, I'd see them around, but I'd always just, you know, run inside the house because <laughs> I was so ashamed and, and it's not even my fault, right? So... Yeah, a lot of fear. And um, when I told my mom, I, I made her promise me first, like, uh, you know, not to tell my dad. But when she told my dad, then, you know, obviously that broke my trust with mom. So it um, affected a lot of, well, mother and daughter relationship. So that's why I just became so rebellious and confused and, you know, not dealing with the issue. Hmm. I'm sure you understand now why your mum would have told your dad. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's huge. So let's um, come forward 25 years to where you, you um, feel like God's challenging you to look at those areas that you've suppressed in your life, which is great, which is so important. Have you experienced um, over the past year, as you've written this down, and I know you've, you've been sharing vocally with your friends, have you experienced a certain amount of healing and freedom in just coming forward about your story? Oh, I feel light as a feather. It just made me, um, you know, looking back now after writing it out, I'm like, um, I'm so much more open and, um, you know, aware of, uh, you know, these situations is common here. And the fact that I want to uh, keep helping uh, those that um, that don't, really uh, want to share experiences when they're hurt, like uh, these things happen. And um, the fact that, um, you know, 
dealing with it uh, from when I had written it down, like the fact that I had to, when it comes to matters of the heart, you know, you have to accept that it happened and um, it wasn't right. You know, allowing myself to heal and the process with the different emotions and then, um, you know, forgiving myself for the um, self-condemnation all those years. I mean, 25 years is a long time. And uh, now that I'm a, an adult and a grown-up, like I'm able to realize and then the fact that I needed that closure mm-hmm. and that healing yeah. What did I mean? You talk about having to forgive yourself. Um, you didn't do anything wrong. So what were you having to forgive yourself for? I had to forgive myself for um, thinking that I was, you know, a dirty person, I, like a, because I was disgusted about what had happened, uh, what was done for what, what was done to me, and not being able to, you know, speak up sooner like um getting justice for the perpetrator and um self-condemnation like I did a lot of things like drink and um you know like I let pretty much let myself go and then go into relationships that really weren't worth it or I didn't even you know um it wasn't intentional or I was just um, being such a crazy party animal because, you know, deep down, I didn't deal with things within me that I should have. That's why I had to, like, you know, collect myself and uh, forgive myself for all those years of uh, self-condemnation. Yeah. That's powerful. And sometimes uh, the hardest person to forgive is ourselves um, quite often. Or the last, or we don't think that we need to forgive ourselves, but that's a really important um, thing you've touched on there. Um, Reading the other women's stories, there's nine other women uh, in the book and you've, uh, no doubt you've read them all. Yes. Was that encouraging to you? Um, Did it help you reading other people's? It was it was encouraging and difficult. I mean, you know, the, um, the fact that we felt the same, like I could um, feel what they're feeling and really understand what had happened. And um, yeah, like that week was a really difficult week reading. You know, I had to pause every time I'm halfway through uh, one of the other ladies' uh, stories because it was... Um, like I'm, I was so proud of them for opening up and at the same time saddened because it had happened to them, you know, like these situations and they're a norm here. So, you know, it was really uh, difficult, but um, um, it was really powerful. The fact that they were able to share mm-hmm. and um, speak their truth on what had happened to them. I mean, many were sharing for the first time in their life, um, as as you were, and I hope that someday you can meet a few of each other, because um, you don't know, you've all kind of contacted me separately, but I hope, um, especially the ones in Fiji, we can all gather in the same room, because I think there is power as uh, we find each other. I mean, this yeah. this issue, I mean, I was talking to a Fijian woman last week, and her comment was that um, being abused is just part and parcel of being a Fijian woman. Um, and so it's it's so prevalent, but why do so few speak up? I guess it's a taboo, 
it's a cultural taboo, like you don't even talk about it or you're not meant to, or I don't know. Some people have uh, turned it into like, um, you know, it had happened, just hush, hush, just move on. Or maybe the fear of people finding out and, you know, and that's sad to, to know. Yeah, it is sad. And, and that's why I've named the book Disruptive Voices, because we want to disrupt that silence. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and the shame that comes around it from the, the victims. I mean, so many of them feel so ashamed or, or the shame they've brought on their family. Um, mm. And that's what I love about your mum. She's been just cheering you on, um, you know, and, and just encouraging you to speak out. What have the responses been as you've um, shared and people have found out your story is in this book? How, how have they responded to you? Oh, it's been amazing. I mean, they've just been so um, encouraged by it and, um, like, happy that I'm able to, you know, get it out of my system finally and, um, you know, that I could help other people that would need uh, some encouragement. And um, even though, I mean, they're saddened about it happened, uh, what had happened, but they're happy that I came out and, um, you know, spoke up, which is uh, so needed. So that's all I've been doing ever since um, the book, you sent me the book. So I'm always um, sharing to people or telling them, I'm chapter five, tell me, check it out. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I hope you like the name, Naomi. My editor chose the names. <laughs> I love that name. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's a great biblical name. I just want to give my editor, Leigh Kentucky, my ex-classmate from ACS credit. She edited the book, which wasn't easy reading for her, having to go through uh, over every line and all their grammar. Um, but she's done a brilliant job there as well, and, and she chose your name. So I honour her. Lastly, um, Mele, what would you like to say? I'm, I'm sure there's lots of women who are watching this and, and men too um, who have been through similar experiences, who have still shoved it down, never told anyone. How would you like to encourage them? Well, firstly, I'd like them to know um, that they're loved and they're special and they're appreciated and um like they need to know that first <laughs> and it would be good to talk to someone um, that they're close to uh, or comfortable with just to um, get it out of their system or just, uh, you know, let it out because when it's matters of the heart, it's really important to deal with it, you know, just the whole process and the fact that it had happened and um, mainly to bring justice, you know, to those perpetrators because um, it's not right what happened. Um, yeah, I just want to encourage uh, my brothers and my sisters that uh, we need to stand firm and stand together and, uh, and know that Jesus just wants the best for us and what happened to us does not determine our future. Uh, what happened was wrong and that we need to speak up. So, yes, we need to encourage uh, each other um, to speak up, basically. So thank you, Pastor Letitia, for allowing, um, yeah, allowing me to speak up. (laughs) 
Well, thank you for your courage in speaking up. And I'm sure um, if anyone wants to um, talk to either one of us, they can contact us, obviously, through Facebook, which this has been posted onto. Um, and just to find that there is help and, and listening ears. I think so much of this is just listening to people's stories. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we really want to share because I'm particularly passionate about the younger women in Fiji um, and I love them very much. And we abuse is not normal. Uh, it's not biblical. <laughs> Um, just because the Bible says the man is the head, it doesn't mean he uh, gets to be abusive in any way, shape or form. And it, it grieves God and his heart. And so it's important that we speak up and confront it and just say that it's not OK. So thank you for being a part of that. And I look forward to coming back to Fiji hopefully soon and, and we can do a lot more work around this issue. So thank you, Mele. Thank you so much. <laughs> I see your suffering, I see the pain beneath that bull of smile. Come out from hiding, the sun is rising. Let the islands hear reason. Let